For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord, today that Your Spirit would meet us here. I pray, Lord, that You would teach us. I pray that I wouldn't get in the way of of the good news of the gospel here, Lord. To the pure, all things are pure, Lord. You, You make us pure by your grace, Lord. Help us see that, Lord. Help us see, Lord, that uh, religion, legalism uh, cannot change us, cannot transform us. It cannot produce the godly life that Paul writes about this, Lord. Knowledge of the truth of the gospel and your love for us is what accords with godliness. Bless this day, Lord, and uh, I just ask you to Give us mercy, Lord. Change us. As I know all of us, everyone, you know, we got stuff that we, we feel guilty about, shame, sin that's a burden in our lives, and we're fighting against it. Lord, help us see how do we live a godly life? Where's the hope in all of this, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, growing up, I was really like, uh, turned off by religion and religious people, right? I went to this door Christian fellowship was all about religion, and all I heard was people talking about uh, backsliding and what this person did and what that person did. And I remember in junior high, I, I just clearly remember, I remember sitting in Spanish class. This, the teacher's name was Mr. Prevo, and he always wore these tiny little shorts, and he's, he's a weird guy. He always had the little phone around his lips right here. Maybe his mouth was dry or something. I clearly remember this guy. And, uh, and I, there's this girl in there, this relig- really religious girl. She wore these long dresses, you know, the plain look. I mean, she sat there quiet. And I remember one day some of the girls in class talking to her. And, and she was, you know, I remember overhearing there saying, so you can't do you can't listen to this music, you can't watch this TV, or you, you can't do this. And they were like, you can't do anything, right? Th- that's what the kids are saying. And, the, and I clearly heard them say, I could never do that. I could never do that. And in my head, I was, I was thinking the same thing. And I had even from an early age said, you know what? I can't do this religious stuff. I can't keep the rules. I knew I was a sinner that I couldn't clean my life up. And so I said, no, forget this stuff. I'm going to have fun while I'm young, and I'll figure out the God stuff, that religious stuff later. Right? It'll be easy to, to be a good person when I'm old, and, and there's no more fun to be had. That was in my head. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and I think that's what Paul's addressing today is religion and legalism 
that can't change us, right? Uh, and, that, and that's what, and, and what we see even today is that legalism doesn't clean you. It actually corrupts you. That's what Paul is saying today. It doesn't clean you. It, it corrupts you. So think about this. Paul is writing for the sake of the faith of the elect, right? He, he's writing. He wants the gospel to go out. He wants the elect to hear the gospel and be transformed. He wants people to be converted to faith in Jesus Christ. And in that same verse there in Titus 1.1, it says, and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. So Paul wants people to be saved, and he wants people's lives to be transformed. He wants them to, to live godly lives, holy lives, be disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Change lives. How does that happen? Well, I, I think that's what Paul's addressing here. We also see in verse 10 that, that false teachers have arisen and have, have created a threat in this church. Paul says that they're upsetting whole families. And so these false teachers are, are creating problems with families, but it's more than just the family. In the first century, the, the churches met in homes. So it was not just, you know, individual families, but it was whole church families. They're upsetting whole whole local congregations with their false teaching. That's what they're doing. And so Paul's solution to this disordered church, right, to these, these false teachers is to appoint elders. And that's what we saw last week. Elders are to give instruction and sound doctrine. And they're called to rebuke those who oppose it. And they're going to need to do that now. They're going to have to rebuke these, these false teachers. In verse 11, it says these, they, they must be silenced, these false teachers. Right? They're going to protect the church by silencing the false teaching that's going on. And they're going to have to rebuke. It says, rebuke them sharply in verse 13. They're going to have to rebuke those who have followed their false teaching. Call them to repentance. Call them to sound doctrine. And this is all protection. This is all love. This is not elders trying to control people, but it's, it's to protect from this false teaching that can corrupt you. And so that's what Paul's doing. And so you might ask, well, who are these false teachers Paul is talking about? He says that there's many, but he's especially talking about the circumcision party. Now, the circumcision party, it doesn't really explain who they are, but Paul has a, a run-in with them in Galatians chapter 2. You can go read it later, but, but what happens is uh, Paul comes in, in, in the situation he finds is that even Peter... Right, Peter, the, one of the apostles, disciples of Jesus Christ, had, had separated himself from Gentiles and stopped eating with, with the Gentiles when the circumcision party arrived. Right? So this was creating division. This was creating a, a class system. This was upsetting the church family. And so Paul rebukes Peter publicly in Galatians chapter 2, and it, it records it. Now these, these uh, circumcision party... They said they, they believed that you had to be a Christian, you had to be have, have faith in Jesus, but they added to the gospel. But they but what they would say is that to be a, a true Christian or or a really good Christian, you need to follow these Jewish laws. You gotta be kind of do this Jewish stuff, you gotta get circumcised. That's that's what a real Christian is. And they're causing problems. They're trying to force Gentiles to observe religious rules, right? Man made rules that aren't part of the gospel. 
right? That's what, that's what it says. They, they wanted to make them obey Jewish myths, right? So myths, laws, and, and commands of the people, which were man-made rules, rituals of purity, which was the whole problem with Jesus and the Pharisees, right? The, the Pharisees were upset at Jesus because he didn't wash his hands and he didn't do their religious rituals. And so it's, it's a similar problem here. And so for the circumcision party, the, this circumcision is, is important because this is where they're finding their, their sense of righteousness in what they do in, in their religious rituals. All right, so, and so it, it makes you ask, well, what exactly? I'll I, I try to summarize what are these myths or, or commands of the people. And I, I would summarize it as it's Jesus plus Anything else equals righteousness, right? It's elevating something up to the level of Jesus, right? And, and, and not, or even above Jesus. So I'm saying something, maybe a behavior, maybe a, a doctrine, maybe a religious ritual. I put that alongside Jesus, and I need that to get my righteousness. That, that's what these, these myths and commands of the people Right? It's taking something you believe. Maybe it's your own personal preference. Right? And then saying that everyone needs to do this if they're a real Christian or if they're a true Christian and, and, and making it universal for all people. And it might be a good thing, right? But it's not the gospel. So it's adding to the gospel. It's saying Jesus plus. And anytime you add Jesus plus anything, you ruin the gospel. Right? That's, not the, that's not the good news. And so I want to give you four reasons that religion does not lead to godliness. That's what I think Paul is sharing here today. Four reasons religion does not lead to gospel. Well, the first one you'll see is that if you follow false teachers and their false teaching, it will corrupt you. It will defile you. Right? Now look at these false teachers. The interesting thing here, and, and I love this about how Paul has structured this, is Paul set up, here's what I want, right? The faith of the elect, the godliness of the elect, and therefore I'm going to give uh, godly leaders to ensure that that happens. Well, now Paul's saying, now here's what happens if you follow ungodly leaders. And these, these circumcision party, right, these false teachers are the complete opposite of the qualifications for elder, Right? Last week, I summarized the qualifications of the elder into three things. The first one, I said, they need to have a godly home. Well, you see that the, the false teachers are upsetting whole families. Last week, I said that, that uh, elders need to have godly character. Well, look at the character of these guys. They're insubordinate. They're teaching for shameful gain. Right? They, they don't submit to any kind of leadership, and they're, they're, they're in it for the money. It's basically, right? They're teaching for shameful gain for what they can get out of it, the money, the glory, the power. And then you're, you told, we're told last week the elders that have godly doctrine, and you see these guys are empty talkers and de deceivers. And so they're completely opposite uh, of what an elder is to be. And it even tells us in verse 16 that they're detestable, they're disobedient, and unfit for any good work. So... What Paul is saying basically is if you follow godly leadership, right, it, it, who, guys who teach the, the knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness, it's going to lead to a godly life. That's good news. 
That's a good thing. But if you follow false teachers, ungodly leadership, you'll end up just like them, right? Defiled, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And I, I think that's the, that's the warning, right? That's the warning here. Who are you following? Who are you listening to? And so it's important to, to, to have discernment on who you're listening to, what, what teachings you're listening to, what, what books you're reading, what podcasts or maybe even TV programs you're watching, right? It's important to have discernment because human nature, human nature is, I'm gonna, I want to look for people that are going to tell me what I want to hear, right? <laughs> and, and you can find someone to tell you what you want to hear anytime, right? If you want to believe something, you can find it, uh, someone that will tell you what you want to hear. I, 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 I had that thought in my head, and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a weed church, you know, like a marijuana church. And so I Googled it, weed church. And I, and I saw a webpage of these guys, they call, them cani- they call themselves canitarians, right? The church is all about weed, right? They've elevated weed up, in, up to... I don't know where Jesus is at and all that, but they've at least elevated to equal with Jesus, right? We're Canitarians on the name, not Jesus-tarian, right? That's a problem. And so you can, anything you want to find, you can find it to support anything you want, right? Any sinful behavior, you can find someone that will, will, will back, you, back you up, basically. So you need to beware. Hey, Paul even warns of this in Timothy. In 4.3, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Right? So Paul, he's writing similar things to Timothy, right? They're not going to want sound teaching. They're not going to want sound doctrine. They're going to want teachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear. And Paul is warning I think Titus and, and Timothy of the same thing, right? Beware, this is going to happen. And, and if you notice it, it talks about, about myths again, right? They're going to wander off into myths. The word there is, is fables, fairy tales, fantasy, right? What, not sound doctrine, but they want to go into a fantasy land and believe what they want to believe, right? And so the big... The big C church has a lot of problems, right? Uh, when I say the big C church, I'm talking about the Christian church universal. In some places, it's healthier than others. Like God is moving and doing all these amazing things. But the big C church has a big problem, especially in the United States, right? And you can find teachers that are going to teach you whatever you want to hear, whether it's the prosperity gospel, Right? When I look at the prosperity gospel, I wish the prosperity gospel was true, right? It would be nice to, to have fancy cars and a fancy house, and, and I, want, I want everything God promises now, right? It sounds good, but it's, it's a myth. It's fantasy. It's not true. It's not sound doctrine. Uh, uh, there's a, a lot of pressure in our culture today to... to, to uh, accommodate to cultural beliefs on on sexuality especially homosexuality right and so there's churches that are 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 going off the path of sound doctrine because of pressure to conform and so so i mean and 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 the point is is you follow these myths right 
It will not produce godliness. When you start, when you start, uh, start sacrificing truth, right, twisting truth, you're on a slippery slope. And it leads to, to what Paul says, right? Detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And so that's the warning here. That's the warning. Who are you listening to? Second thing we see is that religious rules cannot clean us. Only God can clean us. That's the second thing we learn here. Titus 1.15 through 16. This is so powerful. I mean, we could do a whole sermon just on this. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. That's the good news in this. To the pure, all things are pure. And and this is what we need to grasp onto because to the pure, all things are pure because Jesus makes us pure, right? Jesus cleanses us, right, by his blood, by grace through faith, right? Jesus cleans us. He forgives us. He gives us his righteousness. He adopts us into his family. We become children of God, citizens of the kingdom of God. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his word. He gives us his people to the pure. All things are pure. And all things are pure, not because all of a sudden we're magically perfect. (laughs) And let me tell you, we need to cling to this because we're not perfect, right? We're full of sin and, and, and shortcomings and flaws and anger and greed and we all have this stuff, pride, but to the pure, all things are pure. Because if you're in Christ, Christ has paid for your sins. Past, that's the easy one. Well, maybe not for some. Maybe some of us struggle to let go of the sins from the past, right? God's paid for that. To the pure, all things are pure. To the, for the present, right? To the pure, all things are pure. Christ has cleansed you, and even though we're, you're struggling, we're all struggling in sin, when God looks at us, we're pure and holy in Christ, right? Because Christ paid for those present sins. And Christ is working. He's working them out. He's, he's sanctifying us. He's transforming us as we're, we cling to him. And, and, and he's paid for all of our future sins, right? Because we're going to keep struggling until the end, till, till Christ completes the work that he began in us, right? That's Philippians 1.6, I believe. Right? He who began a good work will, will bring it to completion. And so, to the pure, all things are pure. That's, that's great news. That's great news. Let me just tell you, I, I, you're probably burdened with sin right now. And every time, anytime we start talking about sin, it's just like it gets heavier and heavier. Right? Cling to the good news. You've got to cling to that. The, other, the rest of it here, though, is, is, again, I think, warning. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Nothing is pure, right? Past, present, future sins, they're not covered. It says both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God but deny Him by their works. De- they're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And so... To the defiled and believing, nothing is pure. You're stuck in your unbelief. You're stuck in your sin. And, and, and you can't do anything to make yourself pure. Right? To the unpure, all things are unpure. You can't just magically be good enough to cleanse it all. Right? Nothing you can do to, to make yourself pure. That's why, 
the gospel is, is so important, right? And even the, the best of our, our good deeds when we're in sin, when we're unbelievers, is like filthy rags before God, right? Because you can't earn your righteousness. You can't clean yourself. And that's why it says they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works, right? They profess to know God, so they're, they're claiming to be followers of Jesus, but their works show differently, right? They claim to be followers of Jesus. This is a circumcision party, but their works don't line up with, with what they say. And so, and this is the interesting thing that you, you have to think about this. Religious people deny God by their good works. That's what these, these, that's what these circumcision guys are, right? They're religious people. And they're denying God by their good works. Not even talking about their bad stuff. Their, their best of their works is a denial of God. Now think about that, right? That's mind-blowing. And, it, and it's because when we're trying to earn our righteousness, when we're trying to earn God's favor, right? I'm trying to work so that God will accept me. Or I'm trying to be good enough. So I'm acceptable for God. I'm trying to clean myself. I am denying Jesus by my works. Because what I'm saying is that I'm good enough and I don't need the gospel. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to repent. I don't need faith. I can do it myself. And So that's how religion is a denial of the gospel. Because even though maybe they're you're, it's a not super nice person. They give all this money. They do all these great things. But unless you are saying, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus' grace, you deny God by your works. All right? And so there's, there's two enemies of the gospel. Right? There's, there's religion and there's non-religion. Now, non-religion is easy to see. This is what... This is what we think of all the time, right? When people are in rebellion to God, we think of, oh, they don't care about God. They live life their own way. They're just in plain old sin and idolatry. They're just kind of doing their own life. They don't care about God. That's non-religion. And that, that's easy to see. But the religion is, is what's really hard to see because outwardly they can appear really good, right? That's why uh, Jesus calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Right? Whitewashed tombs because outside they look, they look so great, but on the inside they're dead. Right? Death is inside the tomb. Whitewashed tombs. And, and so religion is, is hard to see because it looks so great on the outside, but inward you, you're still in your sin. You're still corrupt. You're still denying God by your works if you're trying to do it on your own. Right? You can be going to church and giving and serving. You can even be sharing the gospel. Right? Even if you think about it, I think it's in Matthew, right? The people come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did not we do all these things? And Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. They denied God by their works because they thought they could clean themselves. So religion is, trying to, is like trying to treat the symptoms of a deadly infection on your own. Right? You got an infection, it's growing inside. It's killing you, 
and you're saying, okay, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to take some over-the-counter medications. I'm going to take some vitamins. And, and maybe that stuff helps with the symptoms, right? Outwardly, you look like you're doing all right. But inwardly, you're dying. The infection is growing. That's what religion is, right? Because it only deals with, with the outward. It doesn't deal with the heart. It doesn't deal with the heart. And it defiles you. And it will kill you. That's the warning here. Right? Religious rules cannot clean us. It will defile you. So let me ask you this. How are you dealing with your sin? Right? How are you dealing with your sin? Are, are you stuck in your sin? Are you, are you unbelieving and rebellious towards God and trying to do it your own way? Right? Have you, have you repented? Have you, you confessed your sins? Have you asked Jesus for his grace? That's what we need to do. The gospel is not do better, try harder. It's not earn your way before God. It's not about what we need to do. It's what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. right? And we can cling to that good news that to the pure, all things are pure. He's going to purify me. He's going to change me. I think one of the ways we, we can kind of get caught up in, in religion is, is through secret sin. Right? I'm going to try to deal with this sin on my own. Right? And the secret sin is usually something embarrassing. It's shameful. You feel guilty. And, and, and so you're, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to deal with it on my own. And I'm not going to tell anyone. And I'll just kind of put on a happy face like everything's okay on the outside. But secret sin will kill you. Secret sin will, will grow inside you and, and lead to an addiction. And one of the ones I, I've been super just praying about, concerned about, is, is, is pornography. Right? Pornography is, is a thing that will, will grow, that you can't do it on your own. If, you, if you're struggling with it, you're not going to get out of it on your own. Right? You might think, oh, I got myself into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy willpower. I'm going to get myself out. You're not. The longer it stays a sin or a secret, it's going to grow into an addiction. And I, and I know this. Uh, I myself was, was addicted to pornography when I was in college. Right? It started off just looking at innocent, just pictures, not innocent, but looking at just regular pictures of, uh, of women, and, and it slowly progressed deeper and deeper and deeper. Right? And as I kept it a secret, I, I was so ashamed Right? I was so ashamed, so guilty. I, I couldn't even share the gospel with people because who am I when I got this, this junk? Right? And I was trying to deal with it on my own. I was trying to, I'm going to clean myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight this. And some weeks maybe I did better than others, but it grew and it grew until I, until I got help. And I confessed it and, and I asked Jesus for forgiveness and I put my eyes on him to, to change me and purify me. And so, guys, I, I just want to let you know that, that this is a, a safe place where we can talk about sin and we can confess it. And, and, and we're not going to judge you. We're, we love you. I, I want to see you guys changed and transformed. And, and we want to walk through you with, with, whether it's pornography or anything you might be struggling with. Like, 
we all sin, right? The, the lie of Satan is to tell you that you're the only one. You're not the only one, all right? And, and so we can, we can, you know, we want to walk with you. We want to deal with this. That's why God's given uh, a leadership to, to walk through with those things, you know? And so I'd encourage you if, you, if there's something that you're just struggling with, you're hiding it, you don't want to talk about it, confess it. Take away the power, right, and confess it. Otherwise, right, it just, it'll, it'll defile you. You can't clean yourself. Number three is that religion actually limits godliness. Religion limits godliness, all right? Uh, what we see here is, is he says that the Cretans are liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And this was a general statement about the Cretans and, the, and their culture. But Paul's also saying that the circumcision group, these religious people are liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Now, you would think, well, but these are religious people, right? Why is he calling religious people these, these things, right? They're not licentious. They're not saying just go off and do whatever you want. They're, they're religious and, and they're legalists and they have all these rules. But at the same time, they're liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Now, how can that happen? What happens in religion, right, is you create these legalistic these lists. You create a checklist of, of things I do to earn my righteousness. And then you check the box, and what happens is it enables you to, oh, I'm, I'm good, I'm holy because I do this, and I can ignore sin in the rest of my life, right? So these circumcision party, or they check their box, circumcision, done, I'm holy, but they ignore loving people, right? This is the same problem the Pharisees had. This is a religious person problem. I ignore loving people. I can check the box on I gave this week, and I can ignore the pride that's in my heart. Right? I, 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 I can give some money, and I can ignore that I'm really greedy. Right? So, and that's what these guys do. They, they check boxes and ignore other areas of their life. I had the perfect illustration. I had a, co- a conversation with a, a guy the other day, and we kind of hit it off in a conversation because he had adopted these twin beautiful little twin girls from Florida, and he, you know, he heard that I, had, I was doing foster care as well, and so we got talking, and, and he was just going off on these, these kids' uh, mom. He was saying, she is white. I mean, this is his word. She, oh, this, she's just white trash. She, she's on drugs, and, and, you know, she's a piece of crap. I mean, he was saying some very mean stuff, right, and, and he was just going off on her, being very hateful towards her, he, he even, I mean, this guy was just talking and talking, so he told me about his divorce, and, 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 I, and in my head, I'm like, man, this guy's a jerk, <laughs> right? And, and then it, like, shocked me. He turned to me and said, you know, you and I, we're better than other people, right? Because we, we help kids. I mean, he literally said, we're better than other people because we help kids, right? So what this guy has done is he's created a box, right? My checklist is I, I help kids. Therefore, I can ignore all these other areas of my life. I can ignore the fact that, you know, myself, I, I've been divorced and I'm a jerk and, and all this stuff, 
And he feels righteous because he's, he's checked a box. And so religion limits godliness, right? Because I just check my boxes and I ignore everything else. That's what religion does. And so laws and rules that look like they're, they're promoting godliness are limiting godliness. And so I can convince I'm God, I, you know, for example, I can convince myself I'm godly because I listen to Christian music, but I, I, I cheat on my timesheets at work, right? I can, I, I can convince myself I, I, I'm a good person because I, because I, I give at church, but, I'm, but I can be a, a jerk to my wife and kids at home, right? Et cetera, et cetera. That's what religion does. So it doesn't promote godliness. It limits it, and it defiles you. At the very least, you know, ignores, you know, the pride in our heart, thinking that we can do it on our own, that we don't need Jesus. That's the core of it all, right? I do these things, and now I don't need Jesus. So I want to ask you, what are the human rules that you've created to justify your sin? Are there things in your life that you do to help you ignore those other areas, right? Maybe you start feeling guilty about a certain area of your life, so you go and and do something to make yourself feel better about it, right? You're limiting godliness in your life. If you want to be transformed, we confess our sin. We can be honest about our sin because there's a way to deal with it, right? Christ forgives us, and he loves us, and he wants to change us. That's how we're transformed. Another thing is adding rule, number four, adding rules has no power to change our lives. Zero power to change our lives. Right? Uh, legalism only focuses on, on outward behaviors. Right? It only focuses on, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that, I, I shouldn't smoke cigarettes, or I shouldn't drink alcohol, or I shouldn't sleep with my, my, my girlfriend, or I should read my Bible. It only focuses on the outward stuff. And that doesn't change us, especially, you know, like I said, when I was an unbeliever, right, I heard that all this stuff that you should not do or you should do, and it totally turned me away from, from Christianity. So I was like, I can't do that stuff. It sounded, it, it sounded condemning, and, and it, 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 it wasn't good news. That's not the good news, right? Legalism is not good news. You should not or you should is not good news. But the gospel is different because the gospel doesn't say you should not. It says you need not. You need not do these things because Jesus is better. He's infinitely better than anything else, than any sin. Right? Sin promises big but delivers low. Sin always leaves you wanting, wanting more and needing, and it never satisfies, it never fulfills your desires. You're chasing after the wind, right? Paul talks about chasing after the wind, trying to, or not Paul, this is Ecclesiastes, chasing the wind, trying to capture the wind. So that's what chasing after sin is. You can never catch it, never satisfies you, never fulfills. So the gospel says, you need not do this because Jesus offers something better, infinitely better, right? Jesus is the good news. And so I don't, I don't need to get drunk, right? That's what the gospel says. I don't need to get drunk because Jesus offers a better refuge. 
than drunkenness, right? People go to drunkenness to, to forget their problems. Well, you go to Jesus, and he gives you the, the spirit to help you deal with your problems. That's better, right? I don't, I don't need to uh, lose my temper, right, and get all angry because no one listens to me. I don't have to do that because God is in control, right? God is in control. I don't need to uh, look for security and in, in money or, or sinful relationship, right? Because God's going to, Jesus is going to fulfill me. He's going to satisfy me. And that's what the gospel begins to do. That's how the gospel begins to change our lives. As we see, I don't need to do that because Jesus is better, right? Rules don't change us. The gospel changes us. You know, the, Jesus loves me. He accepts me. And when you when you grasp that more and more, how much he loves you and accepts you, it makes you, now I, I, I don't need to do those things. I want, I want to know Jesus more. So the gospel changes us. Jesus is the good news. Right? He, he starts the work in us, and, and he, he's in the process with us, and he's going to finish that work in our lives. We need to look to him and cling to him. Right? If you want to transform life, cling to Jesus. Right? Follow godly leadership. That's what he's saying. Right? Go to, pursue the knowledge of the truth that accords with godliness. Right? Pursue after understanding the gospel better and applying the gospel to every area of your life. That's how you, tra- you change. Right? And that, that love, that knowledge is what transforms our lives. Let me pray.